Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Welcome to church, everybody. I'm uh, super excited. As has already been mentioned, it's Baptism Sunday, which is just fun. I just love Baptism Sunday. Um, and I think the American church uh, really, not just, I, I, maybe I just have a thing, I say the American church, but, but really um, the, the church globally uh, recognizes the significance more of baptism than, than we tend to. And N.T. Wright talks about it. He says that uh, the global church, that they recognize the significance of baptism because for them uh, it, it has to do with this level of commitment that many of us never have to make. And, uh, and we have brothers and sisters in Saudi Arabia and brothers and sisters in Indonesia and brothers and sisters around the world that when they take a moment of, of baptism, a, a public declaration of faith, uh, it, it's, it's a death sentence for them. And, uh, and I just want to say, like, it's important, it's valuable, and we're standing in solidarity with uh, our brothers and sisters throughout time and around the globe. So come on, let's just give a hand to everybody <clears throat> that's being baptized. Um, we've been in this collection of messages about the Holy Spirit, and uh, I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, there should be nothing weird about the Holy Spirit. Uh, as we've said several times, people are weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. God's not weird. People are weird. And I've had people come to me, and they're like, I was a little offended by what you said. And I'm like, that's, that's, not, that's not on me. <laughs> so, uh, but, but here's the deal. We've been in this, and uh, I just want to talk about one of the, the beautiful um, benefits or the beautiful trajectories of having the Holy Spirit active in your life. And, uh, and that's that the Holy Spirit gives you power to be a witness of what God's done in your life. It's beautiful. So uh, we're all witnesses of things. We've all seen things happen. We've all, uh, maybe you saw a car accident. Maybe you were in a moment. And some things are just worth sharing. And so today I want to share something that usually when someone asks me, I, I kind of uh, take a pause because it's a, just a lot of stuff to share. And I've shared it all my life. And so uh, I'm from uh, the Yukon, so northern Canada in the Yukon, right next to Alaska. I'm also from Alaska, dual citizenship. Uh, give it up to all my Canadians. Yeah, I didn't think so. And so, <laughs> um, and, uh, and when I was young, uh, my, my, my dad owned a funeral home, and so we would, um, we didn't really take vacations or th that sort of a thing as a family, but the, the way we did spend time, rest, restful time, was during hunting season. That's, that's what we did, and so my dad, his break from work was we, we would fly in um, like what people would now consider like a dream hunt. Just as, as a kid, it was normal for us, and, um, and we, we would fly in. We had the same, the same bush pilot every year. His name was Ernie, and Ernie wore the same uh, green uh, sweatpants and sweatshirt with, uh, with the same mustard stain every year, the same, 
same mustard stain would still be there. And Ernie flew a, a, a turbo single uh, otter, uh, this, this plane that had about 1,100 horsepower. And uh, he, he would let you just fill it up with moose until the floats, you couldn't see the floats in the water anymore. And you're like, I'm pretty sure this is not, uh, like, this is not its intended purposes. And Ernie would be like, ah, we're good. And, and he would just pull it up. And uh, so, so one day we were hunting in this lake. It's called La Force Lake. We, we'd flown into La Force and it's, the lake is shaped like a, uh, like a sand dial. So not a sand dial. What's it called? The, no, 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 not a sand dollar. The, um, the one for games where you got to get people. An hourglass. Somebody knows their English. So it's, it's shaped like an hourglass. Two, two big lakes connected by a narrow channel. And the, uh, I think I'm throwing gang signs here. This is not good. Uh, so, um, and and we, we would stay in this trapper's cabin and... Um, uh, he would let us stay there, and we'd clean it up, and we, we'd stack wood for him while we were there. And uh, we had, at that time, we, we had several moose that we had, we had taken and several caribou that were taken and uh, already hanging up at the cabin. And uh, we, we thought we might be leaving that day. We were supposed to leave that day, but the, uh, the fog was really low. And this low-hanging fog will come in in, in northern uh, Yukon where... You just can't fly a plane. It's just impossible to fly a plane through it. And so we were pretty sure we would be stuck there. And so my friend and I, we said, well, we'll, we'll just go catch some fish to bring some fish home. Neither of us had really shot anything. So we, we jumped in this little uh, eight-foot zodiac and zipped around the lake. And we, we caught about eight lake trout and four or five pike and having this great time. Well, we had enough sense to bring a rifle with us. And, and um, somebody right now, you're like, you're telling a hunting story. This is, you're in the wrong church. And so... Um, uh, uh, just, just letting you know, like, go, go where you're happy. And so, um, right, be honest with yourself. And so, uh, and so we, we, were, uh, we were coming back around the lake, and, and we saw this, uh, across about a 1,000 yards away, we saw this big bull moose. And uh, so if you've been in my office, you've seen this. This is, let's see if it, uh, there, there we go. So the, this is my office, and I have to tell this story every time. Somebody's like, why is it on a piece of plywood? Well, come help me. Maybe you know how to make stuff better. And, um, and so we saw this bull moose, and we, we turned towards it, and uh, we started going towards it. The lake was just smooth as glass and just, just flying towards it. And the trick up there is as long as the, the, the sound of the motor doesn't change, it doesn't really spook a moose. And so we were going all out, so we turned and we're going all out towards it. And um, as we got closer, we got about 200 yards away, and this moose took off into the woods. And when I say woods, I mean very short trees. They're, they might, 10 feet would be a very tall tree up there. Uh, six to seven feet is, is about average. You're not making a two-by-four out of a full tree. Like, they're, they're not big. And um, this moose took off into the woods, and, and I, I, I was the shooter, so I was in the front of the boat. And we, as, as we skidded up to the, the boat, lifted up the, the motor, and we start coming into the shallows. And it's, it's just inches deep as we, as we come into the spot where the moose had been standing moments before, this little uh, grass and rock uh, clearing. And we stop. We're about 10 feet from the shore, but, but it's so shallow the boat has already stopped. And, um, and I'm waiting, it's, we wait till the, the waves stop and it's quiet and, and I just let out a, a, a little, Ooh, which is a, it's a, for a moose that means let's fight. And, uh, and so, so oh, 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 and took about two to three grunts and you just saw these satellites stand up way back in the trees and spin back towards us and, and he starts coming out of the out of the woods, you could see him above the trees. Oh, 
oh, oh, comes out. Oh, oh, that's what they sound like. And um, somebody told me it's the language of love. It's a, it's a, a cow moo sounds like, it's a language of love. And so he comes, oh, and he comes out and, and he comes into the clearing where he had been just moments before and he starts dancing around like a UFC fighter. Like anybody see UFC or a boxer that's just like, he thinks anybody in the room is, he just comes out, just, he's just like, oh, Conor McGregor. He's coming out like ready to go. Snot just coming out and just drool and steam, and he stops, and he's probably the distance of from me to the soundboard away from me, and he, he stops broadside and he looks and he's oh looks straight at us. And that's the moment when um when when I shot him and he, he immediately began charging. And he starts running, and he's, he's less than 20 yards away. He starts running straight at us, and uh, we, we shoot again to stop him. And he hits the water as, as he's going down. And, and the shovels from, from his, from, or not the shovels, the, uh, the palms from his, his antlers create like shovels that push water. And so we're completely soaked by the time he stops. He, he stops about two feet in front of the Zodiac and um, just completely soaked. It was the most amazing experience ever. 17 years old, I was on top of the world. I worked at McDonald's at the time, and I was wearing my, my neon blue McDonald's hat. And um, I wish I had a picture to show you, but I threw the picture away because I was embarrassed of McDonald's. Dumb teenager, right? Um, but back home, we never used camouflage, any of that. Like, I didn't ever wear camouflage until I moved here. Back home, I was just wearing a life jacket, like a, li- a life, like a, like a, a Mustang life suit. That's what we wear. And, and so... So I shoot this moose, and the thing is, we were planning on going fishing. So my friend and I jump in the boat, and we, we just, just go all the way back to camp, and we, we get to camp, and uh, I run up to the cab, and I say, hey, we got four lake trout. We got, a, you know, a couple, of, a couple of pike, and we got a moose, and we got no knives. And so everybody piled into our boat and the other boat, and we, we went back, and as we were going back around the, the lake where the narrows were, remember, it's a, it's a gang sign lake, and as we're... As we're going through the narrows, my, my friend's dad, uh, I don't know if it was just a spirit of prophecy came over him or just encouragement, but he said, watch this, Roger. He said, we're going to come around the corner, and uh, there's going to be a bull caribou standing there, and it'll be, you'll get your first moose and your first caribou within an hour and a half of each other. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And we come around the corner, and sure enough, there's this big old bull caribou standing there. Now, for some of you that have been to Alaska, you know both of these are average. But for people that don't know, these are amazing. And, um, and we come around, and there's this, this bull caribou. And, um, and, and sure enough, we, we take the bull caribou, which is unique enough because caribou don't stand and wait for you. They, they constantly move. They're, they're, they're a nomadic animal. So the fact that it stayed there for about the 10 minutes it took us to get to it is uh, it's just not normal. And... I was able to shoot my first moose and my first caribou within an hour of each other when I was 17. Pretty cool. Let's go. Somebody's like, ah, he's in the word. Preach it, preacher. I, I share the story because um, every time somebody sees this, they, they, they ask. They're like, what? there's a story here. What's the story? And, and I found myself over the years as I as I hear people ask me that question, I, I, I kind of lag lately. It's, it's when somebody asks me, tell me the story here. I'm like, again? <laughs> Got to tell the story again? And it's because there, there's, a, there's a significant story there that needs to be shared. And, and I think the truth is that all of us have a story. 
that needs to be shared. And if we're not careful, the farther we get from the story that we have to the moment of sharing the story, the more we lag in being willing to share the story. The more delayed we become in being willing to share the story. And can I just tell you that what God has done in your life, whether you've been living for God for 35 years or you've been living for him for three months, I'm just telling you what he's done in your life is worth sharing. It's more important than any antlers on a wall. It's more important than any sign on a side of a, like some certificate. It's the most important thing in your life and it's worth sharing. Like, like, like I don't want to share because, Pastor, I don't want to share my story because I just don't think the people in this church are, are ready to hear what God delivered me from. Like, they, they don't, they're just not, they, they wouldn't see me the same if they knew what I had been through. If they, if they knew the drugs that I had struggled with, they just probably would see me different. And can I tell you, yes, they would. They would see you as a woman of God that has been completely transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I just say that we're all called to be a witness? Every one of us are called to be a witness. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I just want to tell somebody today, I came to tell somebody today that I may not know exactly what your calling is. I do know you have calling in your life. I do know you have gifting in your life, but, but I can tell you like that piece, like what is your exact calling, that's between you and God to wrestle out. But I can tell you that your calling always involves, for everyone in the room, your calling involves you sharing your story about what God has done in your life. The the scripture in Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. It it implies that the, the way we find strength in our walk with God includes opening our mouths and sharing the moments when when God showed up in the middle of a discouraging season, opening our mouths and sharing when God showed up, when when I had no self-discipline and I just couldn't keep money in my hands, and then God showed up and God made a difference. Like, like I'm just saying, when you share your story, it transforms the world. Like, like never, err, never err on the side of like, I just, I don't want to share my story right now because it might be too much. No, no, no. Be aggressive when it comes to your story. Share that thing. No one's ever going to tell you. I wish you hadn't told us about the time when you and your wife were about to split and you, and you started going to church for the third time and God showed up that time and now you're still together 20 years later. Like, no one's going to be upset about that story. What they're going to do is they're going to be encouraged by your story. And so everyone has calling in their life, but I guarantee you, your calling includes you sharing what God has done in your life. Just sharing it. The two greatest days of your life were the day you were born and the day you figure out why. And most of us never figure out why. And so we go from thing to thing looking for something that can solve the question of why am I here? Am I here so that I can be a great adventurer? 
Am I here so that I can be really athletic? Am I here so that I can, uh, you know, amass money? Am I here so I can get a dub at Apex? Like, whatever it is, I'm just saying, like, there's something there for your life, and it involves being a witness of what God has done in your life. I don't know what you're called to do. But I do know that you are called to be a witness. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're in the room, you are, you are called to be a witness. But preacher, I don't have a microphone. You are called to be a witness. Just to share about what God has done in your life, his faithfulness. But preacher, I, I, I don't even have a story. I never went astray. That is a testimony to the faithfulness of God, and it needs to be shared. Here's this, this passage in Acts chapter 3. This is Peter and John. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. So Acts is a, it's a book of the Bible that shares the history of what the early church looked like. So the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they share the story of Jesus' life. And the book of Acts is different. It shares the story of the early church. It tells you what happened. So in the third chapter, it says this, And one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, Imagine that. They, they were faithful to times of prayer at the temple. It, it's in, in, like being involved in the body of Christ is important. And at three, at, at, at three in the afternoon, which is a weird time to, I'm thinking 9.30 is better. So <clears throat> they got to sleep in before church. That's nice. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He thought his, he thought his problem was money, but his, his, his problem wasn't actually money, was it? How many of us, we think our problem is money. If I just had enough money, all my stresses would be gone. No, 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 no. There's a, a root. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him and said, at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I just want to start by saying this guy had a need in his life. And if you came in today and, and you're, you're somebody with a need in your life, maybe you've just been going through like the hardest season of your life, I want you to know that you're in the right place. You're in a place that believes in the power of prayer, a place that believes in restoration and redemption and healing. You're in a place with people that are willing to walk with you, not just pray with you and say goodbye, but a place full of people that are willing to walk with you. And so the first thing I want to point out is that in order for Peter, because Peter's about to share all kinds of good stuff about God, but in order for Peter to share the goodness of God... The first thing is this, is that there's got to be a carrier of the message. There's got to be someone, go to the next slide. There's got to be somebody that's, that's willing. Like, like this is so important. Like if, if the good news of Jesus is going to get to your family member, if the good news of Jesus is going to work its way into your place of work, it requires a willing person. No, preacher, I just, I just, you just do your thing, I'll do my thing. That's fantastic, but that's not what you're called to do. 
You're called to be a witness. You've got to be somebody that's willing to reach out. And somebody might say, well, but I'm not the professional Christian here. I'm, like, I'm not perfect. Neither was Peter. Peter was like as inconsistent as they get. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't matter what your qualifications are. You can share the goodness of God. It doesn't matter how broken you feel. It doesn't matter how many times you felt like a failure, all the imperfections in your life. In fact, it is in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. Like, I'm just telling somebody, you have a calling in your life, and your calling looks like those people in your life that you wish understood what God had done in your life. Your calling looks like sharing that with them. Because the message is perfect. But the messengers are not perfect. We don't, we don't need men and women on street corners with megaphones or with plaques telling people that they're going to hell. I'm just letting them know they're going to hell. Like That's not what we need. What we need is, is men and women who recognize that they have been divinely commanded by God to go out and make disciples, to go out and tell the world around them about what God has done in their life. Like, not what you did for yourself, but what God did for you. And we live in a culture that, that yeah, it's, it's resistant towards the gospel, but I would say they're, they're really not resistant, resistant to the gospel. They're really just inoculated to the gospel because of arrogant people. I would say they're not resistant to the gospel. They're just resistant to know-it-alls. But we live in a culture that is desperately looking for truth and hope and healing, and you have the answers. Yeah, but this younger generation, they they just want it on YouTube. No, nobody is telling this younger generation anything straight. They never get a straight answer for anything. I'm saying you have the answers. You have the experience. You can simply share what God has done in your life. So Peter looks at this man, he says, I don't, I, preacher, don't have money, is what he says. He says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. In the name of Jesus, what he does has, he has a relationship with Jesus. That's all he's got. I don't have money, but, but I just have a relationship with Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I just want you to know that we're in a house that still believes this stuff happens. We still believe in the power of God, like the healing, miracle, power of God. And he began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Isn't that what you would do? I'd be walking, I'd be jumping, I'd be, I got swagger, like I'd be, I'd be doing, I'd be dancing, praising God because he'd been healed. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So now this guy has created questions in the minds of people. His transformation. He didn't have to go around everybody telling them. They saw something change in him. 
Like if there's, been a, if there's been a transformation in your life, you don't have to tell your neighbors. You don't have to tell your family that something has changed. They'll see that something has changed. This man is a walking billboard for the goodness of God. And we do that all the time, don't we? We, we, we will go to a store and pay $30 for a t-shirt with somebody else's company label on the front of it. And we'll walk around advertising somebody else's company that we paid for. Just, just because in our mind it's better quality. We, w- we will wear brand new shoes with a big old logo on the side. Rather than going to Target and buying the shoes that have no logos, we want the one with the logo simply because we're going to be ambassadors for a different company. We'll go to a restaurant and we'll have the service of a lifetime at a restaurant. And you know what we do? We go and share it with everyone around us. We tell them, like, you've got to go to this place. It's a, like, it's really, like, if you have not had the chicken and waffles at Tupelo Honey, you need to treat yourself. That's a word for somebody. Plan a diet plan the next week, though, like. Chicken, waffles stuffed with macaroni and cheese, smothered in gravy with chicken on top. It's amazing. You don't know the goodness of the Lord if you think that's terrible. That is good. But how many of us become like me when I tell the story of my moose antlers? We've just, for us, it's become common. It's just something I grew up with. It's not unusual. It's just normal to me. It's, it's not that big of a story because in my mind, those aren't big antlers. In, in my mind, that's not a dangerous story. Nothing terrible happened. But the truth is, it's, an, it's a special story. It's my story. And I'm just saying, whatever God did in your life, whatever God brought you out of, Whatever God was able to transform your mind, wrap your mind around a subject, I'm saying, that's your story. And you need to share it with other people. It's the way the gospel spreads. In this moment, I I just want to say, like, Peter and John walked up to this guy that he he was there, but Peter and John could have walked right past him and and done nothing. They, They could have walked, kept Walking, like I'm just saying, you you have a, a window of opportunity. Like opportunity is limited. The relationships that you have with other people are all limited. They have a they have a time stamp on them. And you know, what are you talking about? What I'm saying is like uh, truly, we all have an expiration date. Every one of us do. And I'm I'm saying your opportunity to share the story of the goodness of God in your life, it is limited. Your opportunity is, is now. You don't have just a, a endless opportunity. In fact, I would say this, the opportunity of a lifetime is always got a lifetime on the opportunity. If someone's offered you like this fantastic business deal, like you see a window into a great financial opportunity, I promise you that opportunity has a lifetime on it. You just found the best house on the market. It's, a, it's below value. I promise you. I promise you. By noon tomorrow, that opportunity's gone. 
And the same thing happens with, our, with sharing the story of what God has done in our life. It's always got a, got a time stamp on it. You, you ever have, like, you go to a store and, and, and on the way there you remember that someone, like you're going to a restaurant and you remember that someone got you a gift card to that restaurant? It's like Baskin Robbins, and you're like, yeah, I got a gift card for Baskin Robbins. And you, you get there, and you just, like, I'm just going to, I want everything. I want it all. You know what I mean? Like, just load it up, and then you pull up the gift card, and they're like, eh, it's expired. <laughs> what do you mean it's expired? Like, you put the money in your bank account. It shouldn't be expired. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> But it's expired because for some reason you put it in the bottom of your purse and it got covered in like graham cracker crumbles and like, like everything else. I'm just saying like putting your hand, men, don't put your hand in a woman's purse. Like I know it's not good etiquette, but also you're going to be digging stuff out of your fingernails for a long time. You know I'm telling the truth. Because you might have had a gift card, but the gift card has a has a timestamp. The opportunity has a, has a lifetime on it. And, and I, I don't use this verse to create a, a, a space of fear. I, I think fear is a, a terrible motivator long-term. Short-term, great motivator. Long-term, terrible motivator. You'll run fast in fear, but you just won't run long. John chapter 9, verse 4 says this, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent us. Night is coming when no one can work. I'm saying the Bible is very clear that your life is like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. The Bible is very clear that we are like grass that, that grows and then it, it fades. Like the best of us are like flowers that wither. If you want to make an impact for God in this lifetime, it must start today. You cannot wait until you get stable. You cannot wait until opportunities are perfect. It must start today. Because the truth is, any moment might be all you've got. I remember growing up, I would always go, Lord, don't come back until I get married. <laughs> like, Lord, let me be married for a year before you come back. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me, because my wife and I waited, right? So we're like, let, let's, Lord, let me be married first. Then you do whatever you want to do. There's an urgency to sharing your story with the people you love and the people you care about. Because you know I will never meet them. You know they may never hear my voice from a pulpit but they will listen to you in a living room. They will sit across a, a coffee machine with you at work and, and tell you what's going on in their life and you have an opportunity to share how God brought you through similar things. Like they will sit with you at a break room table drinking coffee and I'm saying you have an opportunity that no one else has. The problem is we make this mistake of thinking that that things are very sacred or secular. There's, it's one or the other. It, it, it's, either, it's either this sacred thing, this it church, it's my church life, it's, it's my, my church friends, or it's my work friends. 
It's sacred or it's secular. It's, it's you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just work in agriculture. It's just a secular job. I, I just work in retail. It's just a secular thing. I just, I'm a teacher. It's just education. It's not spiritual. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I work in the production industry. I'm making cheese or I'm, I'm making, like, that's, it's just a secular thing. But can I tell you, there, there really is not a distinction between secular and sacred or secular and sacred. There's not. Because God called you where you are, not just for a role, not just for a career, not just to provide for your family, but he called you there so you would be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That you would be a little lighthouse of hope in a workplace of darkness. That, that you would just be like a glimmer of hope in a, in a family that's discouraged. I'm just telling somebody today that your life matters, your story matters, and you need to share it with other people. We're called to be witnesses of the goodness of God. Witnesses of the goodness of God. And so I ask you this. Who in your life is close to you and far from God? Who in your world is open to you but not open to God? Because this isn't like a a secular, sacred thing. Like you may say, well, I don't get my paycheck from the church, so that's not my job. No, 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 no. You are called by God to be an ambassador. You're called by God to share your story and be a witness, just telling what you've experienced. So who's close to you and far from God? You all have a name right now. You, you all have a face in your mind right now. And I would just say, like, the appropriate response is to simply share your story. In fact, later in the same story, the, the disciples, Peter and John, are, are, are being accused of, of trying to cause problems in, in seeing this man healed at the temple gate. Uh, they're, they're being blamed. They're being told, like, you, you just need to leave good enough alone. And Peter's response is this. He says, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I just can't help telling you. Like, I just can't help telling you about some of the things I've seen in my life. I just can't tell you. I, I, I can't help but tell you about, about the, the countless drug addicts that I've seen give their life to Jesus and watched God either instantly deliver them or over the course of time deliver them. I just can't help but tell you about the, the, the kids that were raised without a father that felt like they, they, they just felt super like, like lost in the world, but when they came into the church and, and God stepped into their life, they discovered that they had a father they never knew and like it changed their life and gave them a confidence they never felt before. I just, I just can't help but tell you. Because I love 
I love missions work. I, I, I love that we, we do, as a church, we participate in stuff like that. That's, we send money places. But can I tell you that sometimes it just confuses me how, how we're, we're so willing to, like, spend, spend $5,000 to go across the world to go share the love of Jesus with somebody. But we won't walk across the driveway and talk to our neighbor at the mailbox. Just walk across the hallway and, and tell a coworker that's going through it that God's going to take care of them and they're going to be all right. Just lean around to the other side of a cubicle. <laughs> I know you're going through it. Can I tell you about when my wife and I were going through it? Because God showed up. So I would encourage you with this, as the band would come. Whoever that is in your mind, when I say, is close to you and far from God, whoever that is, I want to encourage you to do two things. I want you to invest in them. And I want you to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. You're going to invest, spend time with them. Isn't that a like isn't that like an agenda? Like you have an agenda? Yes. Yes, an agenda. We all have an agenda. Sometimes our, our agendas are we want emotional satisfaction from somebody. Maybe our agenda is we want a financial benefit from somebody. Maybe our agenda is we want to get them one step closer to what God has for their life. I'm just saying that's not a bad agenda. So invest in them. Spend time with them. Pray for them. Never underestimate the power of prayer. I tell this story because it's one of the stories that I was formed with growing up in church. I grew up in a little church and there was this, this old church mother that would stand up. We did prayer requests. Anybody go to a church that did prayer requests back in the day? We do prayer requests, but they get out of hand. Am I right? Like, they get a little weird. They would do testimony service too. That one was... There's a reason why we use video for that stuff. <laughs> edit, edit, edit too long but she would stand up and she would say pray for my son Andy pray for my son Andy a mom just investing in her son and as a teenager I'd kind of roll my eyes like everybody knows Andy's never going to live for God everybody knows Andy's makes a living with a knife. Everybody knows. Because Andy had, had run away and was living on Skid Row in Vancouver and was doing 15 to 20 hits of heroin a day. And as a teenager, we would pray for him, but we also heard the rumors about him. And one day, a little, little Asian man walked past Andy on the side of the street. He said, can I pray for you? And Andy said, yeah, you can pray for me. 
which was unusual because typically he would be looking for a way to steal from the man. And the man just laid his hand on Andy and said a short little prayer. And he prayed these words, God, I pray that the drugs would have no effect on him anymore and that he'd turn his life towards you. And Andy went straight from there to his, to his drug dealer, bought drugs, went back to his apartment, shot up, nothing happened. He's frustrated. It was his usual dealer, so he knew it was okay. So he shot up again, nothing happened. He started to get irritated because he just needed that relief that came from a high. So he, he rolled a blunt and he, he smoked it. And guess what? Nothing happened. And in that moment, he began to remember like, oh, there was this little guy on the side of the street that just, he prayed for me on the side of the street that I wouldn't feel anything from these drugs. And he said, God, if you're doing this in my life, now, like I've gone to rehab, I've tried all the steps, it never worked. But God, if you're in this moment, I want you to change my life. And I'm telling you, that guy, Andy, was completely delivered of drugs. never graduated high school, went straight to prison, had never graduated high school. He moved back to where his mom lived and his mom was so thankful and he went back and got his GED and he, he went to the police station and told them, I'm here to, to pay for all of the warrants you have for me. I just want to be a good man. And, and so he, he, he exposed himself for whatever goodness was available to him and then he went on and got his bachelor's degree and then he went on and got his master's degree and then the queen of, of England nominated him to be Canada's ambassador for children. I'm telling you, he was paid by the, the Canadian government to go into villages and minister to children that had experienced the same life he had. Never underestimate the power of investing in someone else through prayer and time and invite them into the presence of God because he wants to work a miracle in your life. Would you stand with me around the room? For you, you, you recognize that you know one or two people that are open to you that are not open to God. You know a couple of people that are close with you but not close with God. I, I just want you to kind of raise your hands in like a surrender. Like, God, if this is what you're calling me, you're calling me to share just what you've done in my life with them, I, I'm going to surrender to that. God, I pray right now for every believer in this room that we would not be men and women who simply receive the grace of God without sharing the goodness of the Lord. God, I pray we would be people that are marked by a mouth that is willing to share the mercies that you've had in our life. God, I pray you'd give boldness. Your word says that we would have boldness when, when we receive the Holy Spirit, that we would, we, we would have power to be witnesses. And I pray right now that every person in this room that is marked by the Holy Spirit would recognize it's not for just signs, it's not just for wonders, it's not a party trick, but all of it is used to share your goodness to the world around us. So Lord, we surrender to your call. We surrender to your purposes. I wonder right now if there's 
maybe somebody in the room and you would say, preacher, I am the one that is far from God. I am the one that has not been open to God. And that's what I need to change right now in this moment is I want to be close to God. If that's you, would you just put your hand up just so I can see where you're at? Come on, I see that. I see that. Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to repent and we're going to believe. It's that simple. Let me just coach you right now. If, If you're walking with a friend at a water cooler close to Jesus, you, you just just copy my words right now. You hear it every week. Just say the same words. We're just going to repent and believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we think, do, or say that don't please God. And we're going to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because when we do this, His blood cleanses us from all sin and he makes us right with God. Pray a prayer like this with me. God, I'm I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Would you forgive me? I'm turning from them right now. God, I want my life to please you. I want you to tell me that I did a good job. believe that Jesus died on a cross for me, that he was buried for three days and rose again. And right now I'm placing all of my faith in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I'll follow you every day that I live. Come on church family, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.